We'll continue this morning looking at the image of God. Um, came this route. After looking at idolatry, because it's somewhat tied to it, um, you know, in the beginning, we know that it it started off man created in the image of God, and there's a little more image of God language, just a couple places in. Genesis, and then it kind of fades away, and and idolatry actually rises. Does the image ever come back? The reason I, you know, I, the the reason I, I I felt like I should go into idolatry was. Because I, I noticed in my past, and I fight it, I struggle all the time. I noticed that I struggle with that in weird way. You know, like you know, when I was talking, when we looked at idolatry, um, anything can be an idol. Anything that receives your worship instead of God can be an idol. And we talk about how a lot of times, and most of the time, it's not a bad thing that can be it's an idol. It's a, your idol. It's usually something good. And we looked at how our love can be out of order. We know that, and the Bible teaches that we should love God foremost. But when we, what happens in life a lot of times is we, we get our or, love order out of order. And if we place anything above God, that's not, you know, that's idolatry. Um, just like if you love, you know, you should love things. You should love your wife or your spouse, your kids, your family. Um, it's not that you should hate it all, but it's that you should love God more. And I, I, I noticed there was things in my in my life that that I've, I've I've seen instances where God showed me that my that it was out of order, and I paid severely for that. You know, um, I lost my whole family. Or my, because I had, I had idolized my family status. That was the most important thing to me. I didn't really notice it. It was a good thing, is why I didn't really notice it. And, you know, God, God doesn't like that. You know, he's, he's, he's a jealous God. And it's, it's good that he's jealous God. Uh, because, you know he, and he doesn't just let things go. He, he's a he's a God who corrects. If 
he didn't love you, he wouldn't correct you, would he? If you didn't love your kids, you wouldn't care if they touched a hot burner. And, and oftentimes, you know, especially when you are younger, or even when you're older, I guess, when you're, when something, uh, some authority comes against what you're doing, you take it negatively, um, because it's, it's what you want to do, and what, who are you to tell me what I should and shouldn't do? But oftentimes, it's, it's because people care for you that they try to change your mind and your habits about this thing. You know, it's not, it's not because they're against you, it's because they're for you. And so God's, God's like that. And, you know, we see all kinds of things through life and through scripture like that. So this image of God, uh, I guess let's, let's look in, um, Look back again, refresh, Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. So let's fast forward to Genesis 3. <clears throat> I guess the question is, how much, God, how much are we like God? How much are we His image? Is there a boundary? Is there a separation? So Genesis 3, we'll, we'll look here, uh, verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may freely eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it. Nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What a temptation. Does anybody want to be like God? Have you ever had that temptation? Has anybody ever wanted to be high and lifted up? You know, talking about idols. You know, we even had a, and I don't know if it's still going on, 
American Idol. Flat out comes, comes, it just says it for what it is, right? Isn't that, isn't that really what happens when somebody becomes well-known, famous, in the spotlight? You see people, you know, in the crowds are, are just chasing, you know, going to find these people, these popular singers, whatever, you know, you, you fill in the blank. Um, but chasing an image you know it's it's something you can see and honestly how many of us can say we've never done that because there's something about that that you desire you want that and and you know i remember as as you, you know it starts out when you're young there's somebody that's in, in an image that you have that you want to be like and you think if i could just have that i'd have it all is it is it much different been desiring to be like God because what happens with these idols people are worshiping you if you're the idol right they're bowing down to you they can't help it so so did it happen you know, I gotta fast forward to verse 22, Genesis 3. <clears throat> then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. What does that mean? Whatever it means, we know. He goes on to say, and now let us, lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out of the, out the man and he placed cheddar bean at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So we know that <clears throat> we know that Satan desires to be in place of God, that he desires to be high. That he wants worship. Uh, you know, if you look in Revelation 13, it talks about the dragon and the beast and how they rise. And the whore 
all the inhabitants are worshiping him and the image could happen really easily today. Because he preys on your desire. Can you can you really control your desire? I mean, we struggle with that, don't we? Usually we desire what we shouldn't have. We you know, we want it. And it doesn't help to keep focusing on that. It makes it worse, doesn't it? So you know, we so we really need to be we need set free from that. We need to renew our mind from those kind of things and stop listening to, you know, we don't even have to have the devil tempt us. It's in us, right? That's one of the things we receive that we, that's passed on from Adam, part of his image. Um You know, we looked at whatever that means, the image of God and being made in his likeness, whatever that means, can really be, you can really get carried away with it. You can you can get you can get the impression that that you are like God in a like okay well what can God do He can create out of nothing He can call things that are not as though they were. Can you do that? He can. He has authority over everything. We know that he, you know, we looked at last week how he he placed man here on the earth. And we, we looked at that preposition in the image as the image. To be the image, you know, the image, actually, the image should reflect something, okay? Because, because the image can't really muster up this thing. It has to be given to him from God, and that, and that should be reflected. But where we get out of bounds is when we try to create that. And we try to elevate our image status into becoming like God. We know that God can, He can do anything. And we have to remember that we are but dust that He made into man. 
you know, from dust we were made and the dust we return. So we can, we can really get out of bounds in this area. Um, but the image, an image is going to reflect something. So what do you reflect? If I'm honest, much of my life I've reflected myself, my kingdom, my ability, me, me, me. And it's it's extremely difficult to get out to to remove yourself from that because we're taught that from child, you know, when we're a child. You know, there's much especially in my lifetime that has been focused on uh, self esteem. You should just really believe in yourself. You know, you just gotta you gotta build this up. You can do anything. You can be what you want to be. You can, you know, all this stuff, right? The Bible says, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. So you have, you know, when it, whenever you get older and you start reading the Bible, you're like, man. You know, it's it's hard to unlearn things, is it not? I mean, you you definitely, you need, you need a miracle, basically. To change you, to get you out of that mindset, um, because it, you know it's so natural to focus on self and what self wants, and uh, and so that's that's what we tend to reflect, and there's something in the reflection that man lost. In the fall. Was it his image? Was it the image? You know, it keeps, it, later on in Genesis it talks about, I think Genesis 9, that you shouldn't, man, that no one should murder a man because he's made in the image of God. Uh, so so it does, it's not like it just quit. You know, it, it's, that wasn't lost, but it was something else. And you may be surprised, and you may know. It's actually glory. You lost, the, lost the glory. Now you think that's odd, you know, because you know to me that sounds like something we shouldn't desire. And, and you're right, you know. I mean, there's there's a, you know, if you think about Jesus, all all the time he wa- he was. Uh, ministering on the earth, living as a man, God as a man. He never, he never tried to draw glory to himself. He always pointed to the Father. He always pointed, he always shifted his glory to the Father. Um, now, now he was glorified. Do you remember how he was glorified? By his death on the cross. That's how the Father glorified him. And uh, how many of us want that? Now we want we want this other stuff, right? 
but to die. But you know, in today's world, it's extremely difficult. You know, especially as you get more popular, you know, like singers and stars, you know, all this stuff. Even uh, church ministers, you know, the more popular you get, the more seemingly, could I say maybe almost worship could be coming to you? And, you know, that's just going to happen naturally um, because, you know, we're all imperfect. Um, is there anything glorious about me? The answer is no, really. I mean, now, if a heavenly being, an angel, were to come in here where we could see him, when we read about that in Scripture, what happens? They fall down to worship because he's glorious. Right? He's a glorious heavenly being, the way God made him. And so, a good angel will always say, don't do that. Worship God alone. Right? Um, So, you know, New Testament, speaking, you know, after after Christ is resurrected and gone to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, the disciples... Are preaching the gospel to the nations, you know, taking the commission seriously. Um, there were people who tried to worship them also and tried to. You know, it's the point where they were having disputes on who's who they follow. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. You know, and he's like, Paul's like, who are we? We're just mere men. You know, um, and that should be, you know, that's the that should be our our proper response in those situations. You know, we all have a desire to be liked and for people to listen to us and, you know, all these things. And, and, and sometimes we get misdirected, you know. And, and and as a result, there's, there's glory that's assumed and received that's not from God. Okay, so let's look at um, in this in this book I read identity and idolatry. Um, this guy Lent he says images will reflect. The key question of the scripture is what will the images reflect? Will the image of God, humankind, 
Will they image God? It seems a simple question. Will the image of God find his or her identity in the reflection of God? And that's, that's the question. Will you find your identity in the reflection of God? Or will you find it somewhere else? Okay. Let's look at... I've got a bunch of scriptures that I really like here. Let's see. I'll tell you what. Let's, let's first, let's start off. Let's start off with Romans 1. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and right unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because all they, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So what happened in the garden? There was a prohibition. They could do. They could. There was a serve God in working the ground and keeping the garden. Then this, this crafty serpent comes up. Instead of kicking him out of the garden. They choose to serve him. They choose to listen to him. And they don't just hear what he says, they obey it. So they exchange the truth of God for life. And they exchange the glory of the immortal man the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. They changed God's glory into an image. They chose to reflect something else rather than the glory of God. 
And as a result, you know, and, and we see that today, um, you know, you know, everything's created. Everything that we we're, we're around is created. It's created by God. He made it all. He and He said it was all good. But it's what we do with it. Um, we had dominion over it all. Uh, we're our, we, you know, man was already made in the image of God, but the the, the temptation was a twisted one to be more than what what God made us to be, you know. Um, so let's look. Uh, see, see there that that. That they they change the glory, okay? Let's look at let's see how much time we have. Um, let's go to First Corinthians fifteen. Yeah, I, I love this uh, chapter, the resurrection chapter. Um, let's, look, let's pick it up, verse 20. Now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man, Adam, came death, by man... Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming, and then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to the God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. When he says all things are put under him, it's evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. And when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Let's look at uh, verse 35, a glorious body. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And that's very interesting, isn't it? That, you know, like weed or whatever, you know, it grows the stalk and gets up and it produces seed. But the seed has to die 
before it can before it can bring life. Very interesting how God met, how God created everything. <clears throat> Verse 37, what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. So when you sow a grain, it doesn't look like the plant, does it? It's just a mere seed, but it, it grows a more glorious body. Um but God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. So all the flesh on the earth is different. Men are men, birds are birds, dogs are dogs. Okay. Um there are celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. We have a corruptible body, don't we? It's raised in incorruption. One day, we'll have an incorruptible. It is sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It is sown a natural body. And it's raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. So the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are also the, are those who are made of dust. And is, as is the heavenly man, Jesus, so are those who are heavenly. And as we are, have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. One day... We will be changed. But we can't try to push the time. And to me, that's what was going on in the garden. Or that's what goes on in life a lot of times, the temptation to push the envelope to bring something before it's time. Yes, you will be raised in a different body, a glorious body. How many of us deserve it? You know? 
we don't deserve it. It's, it's kind of crazy that, that God would do that for us. But he, you know, he, he has he has his reasons, and uh, you know, I'm thankful to be a part of of, of his plan. Um, so let's look at another verse. Um, let's look more more at Christ here. Um, let's go to Colossians. Colossians 1. <clears throat> you know, we'll just take it up verse 13. We're t- you know, he's talking about Jesus here, obviously. Um, he, Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. And He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on on earth, invisible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and and for Him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he's the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. The most incredible thing, the Son of God, and how... The, the the mystery of it of, of him how he was before all things now John talks about he was he made all things all things were created through him um, but yet he he was born in our likeness you know the 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 total mystery of that, how he's born of a virgin, born as a man. Did he, did he, was he ever a man before? Was he ever in the likeness of sinful man? Now, he was born then, yet he always existed. It's amazing. <clears throat> But notice there he says that that Christ is the image of the invisible God. He's the true image of God. If you go on to Colossians three nine Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with its, his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there's neither, neither 
Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slaver free. Christ is all in all. So he's, he's talking about there that we should put on the new man, received in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Um, let's look at Second Corinthians four. Verse 3, um, it says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your bond service for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We know that Christ is the image of God, and He's full of His He's full of God's glory. And as you know, since we are bond servants with Him that we should image that glory to others. You know, know, when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, you're the light of the world, did you know you have, you have something the, the world needs. You have Christ Jesus himself. We're called to reflect that glory, to bring light into the darkness. The darkness can't, can't overtake it. <clears throat> Not to bring our own light, but to bring His light. Let's look at um, let's look at Hebrews chapter two. I love, I love the book of Hebrews. It's so uh, worshipful. And it, you know, it, it exalts Christ and shows his place um, above everything. Verse, there, the son made lower than the angels. Verse 5, for he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testifies in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in in that he put all in subjection under him, he has left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not see all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, 
by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. The most amazing thing, there's a lot of amazing things, but where, you know, in Colossians where he talks about that he didn't consider his, who he was, you know, he set himself aside and became a man, born in the, in, in the likeness of sinful man, and became obedient to death. On a, and the humiliation of the nakedness of death on a cross for us. He became lower than parts of his creation for us. Amazing, amazing story. Amazing truth. And he's crowned with glory and honor. And he tasted death for us all. Let's see uh, Romans Romans 8, a verse we all are very familiar with here. And we'll see how this turns more it shows more it shows the focus of God and what he was his plan. Verse twenty nine for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren and moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Amazing that he would go to all those steps and that he would glorify us. You know, not because we're so great or anything, but because that's what he wanted to do through his son. First uh, Peter five. Verse one. The elders are who are among you, I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those who entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So there's there's in all of us a desire to be acknowledged, to be accepted, to be loved. Desire to have a at a boy. 
But there's a proper way to attain, you know, the the status that God would have for you. And it's not by effort. It's not by ability. It's not by, you know, anything that we can muster up inside. But it's, it's a free gift from God. From His Son. God gave His Son for you. His Son died for you. Horrible, humiliating death. So that you could be right with God. Did you know that if you're in Christ, you're right with God? In Him, you have redemption. You have forgiveness of sins. There's no greater status. And in the end, He will glorify you. But for now, let's reflect that light that He's given us. Let's remember what He's done for us. And let's tell the whole world. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank You for Your your Word, Your love, Your grace, Your mercy, and for Your Son. For Your plan, the unspeakable joy that's found in the Scriptures of the story of how it all fell apart, but you came and you straightened it all out and you overcame everything for us. You did it, Father, through the Son. We thank you, we praise you, and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Six.